Fridays. How are everybody doing this morning? I got to say happy Father's Day to all dads, grandfathers, and it's an amazing day. It's not a unique day because uh, the NBA play, um, championships are over, hockey's over, baseball's boring, and football has to start for another couple months, so it's kind of a unique um, thing for dads because we don't know what to do after service today except go eat and go to sleep. So, uh, and not, you know, I want to watch National Geographic. And uh, I know there's a couple of us that are happy because L.A. Lakers had done something great. So that's the only time they cheer. But it's okay. It's good to see everybody this morning. And really, it's a great day. We're going to have a standalone today talking about uh, dads and, and really for all of us. And the message today, the, uh, the, uh, the title of this message today is called Against the Grain. Against the Grain. Now, before I climb into that, I want you to know how many know summertime is coming, is here, and how many are having a problem just reading your Bible because of all the activities in the summer? Now, a lot of you are not going to raise your hands and admit it, but we have a tool which we call the Purple Book. It's a Bible study book that during the summer is a great time to crack this open, help you with your, uh, with your reading and keep you updated with that, you know, keep you going, but really we're about um, really um, establishing strong foundations. And this is a great tool that you can use. It starts already for its 12 chapters. starts from already from the fall of man all the way to the revelation. It's a great read. We have them on our, our, our welcome desk. They're about $6. You want to invest in these because we're not talking about having, about having strong foundations in Christ. But in the summertime, it's a great time. You can take it everywhere you go. In fact, there's a new Kindle version. You can go on uh, Amazon or Kindle and get one. But also, you can take this with you wherever you go and spend some time. Crack open the Bible. It takes you a few minutes. And the greatest thing is it doesn't tell you anything. It tells you to look in the Scripture and you write down some things that God shows you. So I want to really encourage you to jump on that because uh, I know it's summer. We can get stale during the summer. And when you get stale during the summer, it makes you can't wait till the fall. And then you're so tired by the time the fall gets here because you didn't study in the summer. Amen? So today, again, we're going to talk about a word. Talk about a theme called Against the Grain. How many woodworkers do I have here? Anybody work with wood? Wow, what a generation. You, buy, you probably pay people to do this. Anyway, if you're a woodworker, I did this in, in school, did this in high school, did this, some of this in college. Whenever you want to paint something or a board or wood, you got to take some sandpaper and you got to take it and you have to um, um, sand it down so to tech, make the paint um, um, me easy to get on the wood, but they always tell you to, to um, when you sand something, do it with the grain because it's a lot easier. Do it with the grain when it's a lot easier. And I have I have a wooden floor, and when I try to mop it, Miss Donna can tell because I always mop it against the grain because you can see the swishes. But it, it, I get done quicker. But I have to go back and do it all over again. But when you do that, you do it against the grain, and you're able to apply anything you want to apply with it. Now, everything against the grain. Now, it'll be kind of unusual, and I read it up on time, for me to go against the grain. Whenever you go against the grain, it causes rough edges, and then the paint doesn't take, and you have particles everywhere. Now, one guy wrote down, to do anything against the grain is unconventional. It's just not conventional. And what I want to use this message is, society goes everything uh, uh, with the grain. And let me give you a definition against the, what the against the grain means, which is kind of unusual. For, uh, which is kind of unusual. It says this. Against the grain means to do something or to be in opposition or contrary to what is generally understood, assumed, practiced, or accepted. And why did I bring this up? Because God has called men in particular to live against the grain, not with the grain. 
to live against the grain, not with the grain. He calls us really to faithfully serve him, even in the midst of trouble, personal uh, suffering, or societal pressure. And he calls us to live against the grain. If you're a man, you can feel the pressure of being a man today. It's scary at some point of who you are, who society says you are, how you're supposed to act. Everything seems to be under attack. Now, there's some internal pressures that we deal with, and there's also some external pressures that we deal with as men. And then how to, how to walk with God against the grain in the midst of all those pressures. And I want to show you, because some of the internal pressures that some of us are sitting here today, is, it's Father's Day, and some of you don't have any recollection of your father. You had no dad. Or oh, he was there, but he wasn't active. And some of you can be like, without raised, growing up without a father in the home, you can feel angry, which makes you angry, makes, makes you resentful, what makes you going to be abusive. It's also going to make you aloof, which means distant, emotionally and physically, with anything in life. Now, some of the guys in the Bible dealt with that. If you, know, if you read the Bible and Judges, Samson. Samson did everything out of anger. He was a mighty man of God, but he did everything out of anger. His dad did not know the Lord. His mom did, but he did not know the Lord. He did everything out of anger. He, he killed the Philistines out of anger. Every move he made was out of anger. And everything he did, he was abusive. David, mighty David, that killed Goliath, he was aloof. What does that mean? To be distant emotionally and physically. David was a great giant killer, but he was a horrible father. Because when you see the story, David comes on the scene. He's the one that's left in the the, uh, field because his dad didn't feel he was worthy enough to be in the room with the man of God. So when he raised his kids, he was distant. Even when his son, Absalom, raped his sister, he didn't do anything. He was aloof. He was distant. Now, he wasn't distant with God, but with his own kids, he was pretty distant. A lot of great warriors in the Bible that we read about had some of these issues. But they did fully did great things for God. How about the external pressures, guys? Now, the new, trying to, they're trying to redefine what manhood is. Trying to redefine what masculinity is. What is, and they give you a cheap version of what it really is. We're afraid to, to make noise and have fun because that's just too overbearing. Now, you, live, you come to this church. We, we have to talk smack. We can't just sit around and not do anything. That's crazy. You know, when we go, like, when the lady's going to have a breakfast in a few weeks, so they have, they're going to have their thing this Friday, y'all break out the nice dishes and, Y'all do everything nice and have napkins and plates and all that. And us guys, we were in a meeting this t- last Tuesday, and we said, we're going to have a breakfast. They said, how many are you going to have? What are you going to do, right? And I'm like, I just want to have a breakfast. Need napkins. I don't need napkins. We got plates. We can use plates. If we don't have napkins, I do this. <laughs> I'm a dude, right? <laughs> That's what guys do. But not you're an ogre. You're an animal. I'm a guy. <laughs> I am a guy. I'm adventurous. But the definition has gone bad because when men have grown up without fathers have redefined society because they don't know how to treat a woman, and then there you see all the things that are taking place. And it's scary. 
today trying to be, and then try to follow God. We have new rules now, how we greet, meet and greet people, because it's scary. You guys feel the pressure? Well, Jesus, Paul, I mean, Peter understood what that meant. And he said something in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, talking about how to live against the grain. How about this, guys? How do you like yourself being portrayed in media today? Like an idiot. No sense. The wife and the kids run the home. Or you're not even there because they don't need you any longer. Scary today. Unwarranted judgment. And then you're afraid to lead because you get relegated to a boy and you play a lot of video games, but you won't lead your family. And if your wife buys into it or your significant other buys into it, guess what? She feels that's exactly what you're supposed to do because I'm in charge and you're an idiot. First Peter 2, 21. This is what Jesus said. But this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Let's pray. Father, I ask you this morning that you will reveal your heart to men this morning. Reveal your heart to your people this morning. Reveal your heart and your plan for all of us this morning. We ask that you move mightily today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, Peter says, for you have been called to this. Christ also suffered for you. Some men might feel like I am suffering today, trying to figure out who I am and whose I am. He said, I'm leaving you an example so you might follow in his steps. So what does it look like to live against the grain? I love this. Peter said, Jesus left us an example to follow his steps. Now, Jesus, whenever he came on the scene, guess what? He's amazing. He knew he was talking to men because of the way we think. He said, let me tell you how to live against the grain. He said, follow me. Isn't that simple? Follow me. And he came... I, when you follow me, I will make you fishes of men. But I will make you. You follow me, I will design something. I will build something in you if you follow me. Now, the way I am going is against the grain. I'm not going the way society is. I'm completely going the opposite direction. In fact, I'm going across it. I'm going to cause friction in your own lives, but that's how... You have life. That's what I love about that. Now, how do, you, how do we do that? How do we follow the example of Jesus? Because we all look like heroes. We all have people we gravitate. I want to be just like you. But really, the one you want to be like is Christ. And how do you do that? I love Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. It says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Everyone say this. I have the mind of Christ. What does it say? It says, have this mind among you, which is yours. It's already yours. You don't have to try hard. It's already yours. That's my prayer this week, that we would have the mind of Christ, understand what Christ would have us to do and to be. You already have it. Say, I have the mind of Christ. So you don't have a polluted mind. You don't have a perverted mind. You have the mind of Christ. How many love scripture? 
I love scripture. Then he goes on this. Who through, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with a God, with God, a thing to be grasped. He made himself nothing. Now he's talking about Jesus came from heaven in the glory of God and came down and took the form of man. They call it the incarnation. And he became one of us. When he did that, he lowered himself. And when he said he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbles himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Amazing when he says became obedient. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above that is above every name. Now, here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Fully God, fully man. Fully God, fully man. Came from heaven on a mission. Came off from heaven with a purpose. Verses, I love verse 5. Have this mind. Which means, really, if you have the NIV, it says your attitude. Now, if you want to take notes, you're going to, this one you want you to write down. If you're a guy, your attitude will determine your altitude. It's a leadership principle. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Now, the attitude of society is, it's hard, it's tough, everyone's going crazy, and that's exactly how your attitude is going to be. You ever wake up mad, you don't know why? Your attitude will determine your altitude. Now, as a Christ follower, our altitude should be high because our God is amazing. Can I get an amen? Verse 7, he said this. Jesus made himself nothing. He emptied himself out. Now, what it means to empty himself out, what it means is this. He took on another form. What does that mean? When I was born again, prior to me being born again, I was a wreck. You wouldn't recognize the man standing here. I had a reputation that, well, I don't even want to talk about it. Then I got born again. And then God transformed me into something new. Jesus came down, and he took on a new form, the form of us and the form of a servant. Amazing how, um, how crazy that is. God as a servant. All-powerful God comes down to serve man, not to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. God himself came down on the, in heaven, took on the form of a man, but he didn't stop there. He took on the form of a servant. And says, I came to serve, not to be served. I'm God. And then when you read it in Luke, and he submitted to his own, after they've lost him for three days, he said he went home, he submitted to his parents. God is submitting to his mother and father. Took on a new form. All of us have got a new form. We have the mind of Christ, and we have a new form. But as men, we do. You never, you never, don't let anybody identify of your prior self. Identify who you are in Christ. Remember that. Oh, I know I did. Yeah, I know you did that. But Jesus came, and he, he destroyed all that. So if he destroyed the tapes, Get rid of your A-tracks. For some of y'all, young A-tracks, go on YouTube. It's still there. Still there. I, I checked it before I gave that joke this morning. <laughs> what does it look like to live against the grain? I'm going to tell you this today. It's amazing. First thing, if you take a notes, humility. Humility is against the grain. Humility. 
What is that? You, will, you willingly humble yourself that you may lift others up. You don't think more of yourself. You think left of yourself. You think more of other people. Humility today is amazing. It's rare. But as men, God's called us to be humble. Why? We think about our families more. We think about their welfare more. Now, some of you didn't have a dad to, represent, to see that, but that's how it ought to be as a father. It's against the grain. Jesus went against the grain, humbled himself. Other thing is, there's another word in there I, didn't, I wanted to put, meekness. How many think meekness is weakness? Now, meekness is one of those crazy words that we see, and we see how Jesus played it out, and I love it because men need to be that way. Uh, meekness is against the grain, but here it is. It's being submissive, restraining your own power so to allow room for others. It's power under control. Jesus could dominate the room. He decided to walk in meekness. Now, how many know you've been in a, if you've been in a uh, disagreement with somebody and you were you right and you knew you were right? Come on, somebody. Be real. We're in church. You don't live in harmony every day. You're married. You do that every week. In fact, every day. Right? You're right. And you push yourself to be what? Right. Because you're right. Like the church. We're right. But meekness says, I'm not going to dominate. I used to say this in arguments. Look, we're in this meeting. I want to go home because we've been here four hours. And I see that you're really, really bent on this. You have a passion for this. So I submit to whatever you say. Now, you sign that document on the way out the room. But guess what? I, and they say, no, 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 I don't want to argue. You already, so this, I can see in your heart that you, this is very important to you. So I let you, I, I said, you're right. I just want to leave the room. But really, I want to give you the room. I'm going to give you the, and when you do that to people, it flips the room. It flips the room. Because I'm not here to be right. I'm here to be loved. Loving. Men, don't argue. Be meek. You have all the power in the world to do all things in Christ and works through you. But use your power for tenderness. Jesus could have destroyed everyone on the earth when they went after him. He decided to be meek. The guy said, do you understand we have the authority to take you out? He says, you don't have authority. He didn't even yell. You don't have the authority because if you had the authority, I would have called down. If I, let me tell you how the authority. I can call on all these angels from heaven and wipe you all out. But I decided I'm going to lay my life down, and I decided I have the power to raise it back up. You know something? Whenever I don't care if I lose, win an argument or not, lose an argument. I have the power to back out, and I have the power to get back up. Meekness is against the grain. If people would walk more in weak, meekness, we wouldn't have news. We wouldn't have any. We, it'll be boring. We tell the news, take four days off. You know, in the summertime here in Texas, when the weatherman, I feel bad for him. I said, this pre-recorded July 1st to August 15th because you got nothing to say. It's hot. It's bright. There's no clouds. This is Texas. See you later. And go on vacation. Come back at 15. No one even know you're gone. Because nothing changes. We know that, right? July 1st, right? Blue sky, heat. That's it. 
and he has nothing else, and he has a 15-minute block to tell you nothing. I don't know how I got that subject. <laughs> but same thing. You actually take the power back. Look, guys, if I read about everything they say as me as a man, I'd be gone by now. My job is to do what God called me to do. And hopefully, they'll see the difference. Because everyone's angry. When you're angry, listen to me. When you're angry, you take so many things out of context. You know, when we mess around, the guys say, hey, boy. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say, boy, what do you mean by that? I don't know. I just said, boy, hey, man. Hey, bro. Scary. You got to look at Wikipedia to figure out, as a bro, what to say. <laughs> right? Because everyone's so sensitive because everyone wants to be right. But when you're angry, resentment, you start to resent. And what resentment is, it's just natural anger, frozen. And we never be who God called us to be. So humility, meekness. How about this one, obedience? Obedience is against the grain. How many say obedience is hard? Why? Because you want to do what you want to do, right? Aha, aha. Obedience is submitting <laughs> your will to God's will on a consistent basis. Submitting my will to God's will on a consistent basis. Now, here's the greatest thing. God never gives you anything that you can't do because he, he empowers you to do everything. I love second, I love uh, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to both to will and to work for who's good, his good pleasure. He gives you the desire to live right. And he helps you work it out. He gives you the desire to be obedient. Now, as a child, when I was disobedient, it was a lot of work. Especially trying to out, uh, outpace my mom with the spanking. If I did something at 7.30 and she told me that, hey, you're going to get beaten by today. And I'm like, okay, it's 5 o'clock. I clean the closet. I clean up all the leaves. All right. I know I go to bed at 7.30 and she's still not thinking about it. She's ironing clothes. I'll go to bed on time with no trouble because that's where I am because I'm in trouble. I go to bed and all that. I say, oh, my gosh. I made it. Man, I made it. And then I'm, I'm half asleep, and then the door kicks open. I'm like, how'd you remember that? And then she remembers it. She'll say this. Why did you do what I told you to do? And I give them the answer, the worst answer ever. I don't know. And I don't know why you say that, because that's the last thing you remember when you wake up, right? Because after she lays you out. And, and she said this. If you love me, you obey me. See, guys, if you love God, you obey God. But he gives you the will and the desire. He also gives you the power to do his will for his good pleasure. Obedience. Now, I told you a lot of different things. You'll see what happened in verse 9. Jesus walked in obedience 
and he walked in humility. And then God lifted him up. Guys, uh, the promise in the word says this. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who take the high road, guys, listen to me, will be exalted. Now, it doesn't seem like you're getting exalted, but at the end of the day, you'll be exalted. At the end of the day, the ones that told, called you a bunch of names or told you off or disrespect for you will be coming to you for advice. You can count on it. You just have to have the heart to say, I told, not to say, I told you so. You got to receive like they've never known any different. And y'all going, that's tough. That's the high road. Because you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for God. You're representing God. Now, everything I'm telling you, you're probably going home like, you're probably saying this. What do I got? Because we're men, right? What do I have to do to fix it? How many men like that? No one, no guys raise their hands. They're so scared. I'll tell you what. I got to fix it. That's the first thing we do. If I fix it, I'll be all right. Honey, if I fix it, no, you can't fix it. You can't fix any of this. Kingdom of God, it's not about deeds. Kingdom of God is about identity. Here's my one and only point against the grain. Remember you are a beloved son first and a father second. You are a son first and a father second. You are a son first and a husband second. You are a son first and you are an employee second. You got to realize who you are and then you'll know exactly what God called you to do. But if you try to be a husband first and a son second, you're going to fail. And even as a lady, you are a daughter first, right? And then you are what? Second. Because if you don't know you're a daughter, if you don't know you're a son, you'll think that God is holding out on you. And he doesn't love you. He doesn't have your back. You got to realize that you can't work. Amen. We can't work our way up out in our identity. We have to fix this. I have to, you can't fix it. You got to know. You got to be first before you do. What are you talking about, Pastor Rich? Matthew 3.17 says this. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Now, that word beloved, I had to look it up because I'm talking to guys. And guys said, that's a, that's a lady word. Guess what, guys? In the Greek, it's a masculine term. That's it. See, I'm a hero today. Y'all won't remember anything I just said. With whom I am well pleased. This is the father. Jesus lived 30 years in obscurity. Listen to his earthly father. And some of us don't have fathers. Did everything his father became a great carpenter. He goes. He's baptized. And it says like the spirit came like on a dove. And then God the father. God our father. Spoke. To the son to the people about the son. He called them son first before he called them savior. He, hadn't, he didn't heal anybody yet. He didn't do anything yet. He just, all he did was be baptized and the Holy Spirit came. He said, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. See, God sees you as a son first before you're a husband. God sees you as a son first before your father. When you recognize who you are, you'll know exactly what to do. Now, as a son, he equips you to be the father. But you have to do it that way. Otherwise, you're going to work and work and work for things and people who can care less. 
because they can't identify you. We have enough identifications about men right now. All of them are shallow. The only one that can give us a true identification is God himself. He really why he did that? From the very beginning, he did it. He didn't wait for him to part the waters. He didn't wait for him to turn the wine, in, I mean the water into wine and say, oh, I'm proud of you. No. He said before he even, even did anything. The same thing he says to us before we do anything. When you were born again, or when you were born, he says, this is my beloved son who I plan to do great things. My beloved son first. Now, whatever your title is, you can walk in assurance that you are your son first. A great son makes a great father. That's why it's hard for you. some of you guys now. You didn't have a great father. You couldn't be a great son. Now you're trying to work, trek your way through it. But he's the father to the fatherless. And, you, and some of you ladies don't have a great dad to look at or had one. And you're trying to truck your way through it. And you don't know you're a perfect daughter. And you submit yourself to what society says you ought to look like or what you ought to be. Guys are saying, I got to work my way out of it. I got to work harder. I got to do this. I'll do this for you, honey. I'll do that for you. Guess what? You are your son. Stop doing all that. Listen to what he says, and you know exactly what to do. It's not about your title. You focus on him. He'll give you the right focus. We don't have to run around so much, you know, affirm. And I understand, affirm me. Please affirm me. You don't need affirmation. I don't need to be on the stage. I already on the stage in God's eyes. Because we want that. We want to be affirmed. We want to have that affection. We want that. We need that. My son, me and my son talk about it all the time. I tell him every day I love him. But he has to know. He knows God loves him first. And what he's saying, follow me, guys, and I'll make you this. But here's, guess what? He says, imitate me. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The reason why I can say I'm a good dad, because I imitate who Jesus says I am. When I have to apologize to my son, I apologize. Not about pride. I can care less. I need to apologize now so he'll apologize to his kids later. When men are out of alignment with God, we create more like us. And our kids, and they're out of control because they look, you know, I mean, you know, my dad, the reason why I like to dress like this, my dad can dress in some crazy suits. He was an amazing dresser. He used to wear hats. Every Easter, I used to give me a hat, and I used to stand like this with him. Because we know we look good, right? So it didn't matter. You don't care. I, I do, right? So we used to be that way. Because I wanted to be just like, and I imitated everything he did. I loved the shoes he wore. I used to go in his closet, clunk, 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 clunk. Right? He's not around now. But he taught me so much about hard work. Now, he was amazing. He didn't go to church, but he sure made sure I did. Now, he, he didn't do what I He just made me go. But imitation, Jesus made it easy. Imitate him. What would he do in this matter about love, about all this pressure of being a guy. You know how much pressure he had? He did everything against the grain. He didn't submit to the grain. He went against the grain. The only way you go against the grain is by follow. If you don't follow Jesus, your kids won't follow you, or they'll follow someone else that's more exciting, and then we have a cycle and a cycle and a cycle and a cycle. 
See, manhood and fatherhood was never, ever <laughs> supposed to exist apart from mission. We were called to be in mission of God. Follow Jesus, fish for other guys, and fellowship with other guys. If we're not on mission, we're a mess. And we create messes and more messes because we're not on mission. If we're not on purpose, all we're pursuing is pleasure. You know what pleasure is? What I want. Share a story with you. You probably heard it before. I do ride-alongs with the police department. And it was one evening, well, with a guy, he, he was an aviator with Dyess Air Force Base, and me and him were riding around, and we were in South 7th, and these guys were doing a drug deal. And they did the thing. They saw us come up behind them, and they took off like they're in doubt, like this. He said, I'm going to go after the guy on the left. So we go after the guy on the left. And he's running around like he's going to get away. We're in Abilene. So he said, I'm not going to rush. We'll get him because I know exactly where he's going. He, gets, he, pull, he goes out South 7. He pulls up into this establishment, gets out the car, goes inside, comes back out, comes back out with his dad. Says, you have any drugs in the car? No, nah, you can search my car all you want. Just check my car all you want. First thing you oh, dad's out there with the, with the uh, now, I'm out there, police are out there, dad's out there with some of his friends, and they're with their, their phones trying to record all and make sure we don't abuse him. He gets arrested. Interesting thing is, he said, I knew that young man because I know his dad. I just arrested his dad about a few weeks ago. See what he did? He's just like dad. Dad was a drug addict. So he created a son who's a drug addict. He runs to his dad for help. So that's what he showed. That's how important it is for men. We might think we're not sharing something, but we are. Shows up. Dad's out there, don't you do anything to my son. You're going to be okay? Yeah, we take him down to tell him. Before he gets in the car, here's the culture. His girlfriend says, I need to talk to him. I need to talk to him. So the cops say, all right, you talk to him. He's already know what he's going to do. She gives him a wad of money so he can go. Where he got him on the other stuff. Interesting thing. He says, well, her, I just wrestled her other boyfriend two weeks ago. And they hang out with dad. And dad reproduces himself with the grain. See how important it is? I heard this the other day in my, in my discipleship group. God's calling us to a fine line now. There's no such thing as dancing in between the systems. Either you are with him or you're not. When you're not with him, it's going to go bad for a lot of people. It's not even for us. It's for our kids' sake. Because that's, that's innocent. That's, no, 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 no. He is in jail. You're going to bail him out, and you're going to put him back on the street again, and it's going to happen again because that's what you're used to. That's your fruit. 
because you don't know who you are. Against the grain. See, again, if we're not on mission, we create a mess. Fatherhood was never meant to exist apart from mission. What's my mission as a, as a, as a, as a father? My son. And create more sons and daughters. When I'm on mission, I'm not creating a mess. Because I was created, when God created Adam, he dealt with him, built everything for him, and what did he do? He put him what? To work. Right? And so I need you to attend this what? And take it. And he said, oh, by the way, it's not good for you to be alone. And here's Eve. But I need you to take care and protect and all that. Because I created you for mission. So when men are not in mission, we become a mess. We don't connect the other men. We're a a mess. If we're not helping other guys see Christ, we have our purpose. No purpose, we're going to go look for pleasure. Because you can't, the way we were created, (laughs) we can't do without the purpose or the mission. But you got to remember, how do you know that? Because you're a son first, not a dad. Your son first, not a supervisor. Your son first, not a student. So your most important relationship is vertical. And then if you have children, that's your second, and your wife, that's your, the horizontal. But if your vertical is off, your horizontal is completely off. And you can't find things to, fit, to fill it because it's just not going to work. Not could be mad where society is, but when it happens, when we're a fatherless generation, this is what we got. Devil doesn't kill you from without, he kills you from within. When uh, nations fall because families disintegrate. That's all. Nothing worse than that. To die from the inside out. To be angry at one another. And you want to say, Pastor Rich, I think that's extreme. Go on YouTube, and you'll just see the microcosm of our society on Tuesday night at Walmart when two ladies, uh, three ladies, are beating each other up. And here's a society. Oh, this is great. Now, Walmart can't help because they're afraid they might get hurt. They tell employees, just call the cops. Everyone's doing this. And they're just, here it is. Anger played out. And here we are. Wow. Nowhere else started? In the home. Can't say what she had. No, it started in the home when you grew up. Who taught you how to fight like that? Who taught you to be disrespectful to other people like that? Like Miss Helen? It's tough now, isn't it? Me and Miss Helen's age, we're like, oh, wow. If you're a man, granddad, if you're a father, grandfather, uncle, Soon to be father, that's prophetically for somebody. It happens every year. <laughs> Can't say I'm wrong. Stand wherever you are. Thank you. Got a gift for you. I'm going to hand out some gifts for you. Then I'm going to pray over you guys. I'm I gave this message because you're called to live beyond beyond. 
not beyond the grave, <laughs> grain, against the grain. It's not easy being a man. It's not. Because definitions of us, media portrayals of us, only way you can get your identity and who you are is really in this house and who God called you to be, your son first. Now, you might be saying, I've made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of this. Guess what? It doesn't matter. You're still a son, and God's grace is amazing because you're still here. If he, had one, if he didn't have grace, he would have killed you by now. And I mean, remember me when you come in my office and say, uh, Pastor Rich, I, I know. Okay, you're a guy. God loves you. Get back in your Bible. Get with some other guys. Let's get back in the game. Let's go to work. Jesus said, follow me. He made it simple because we, we don't like a lot of reading. We discovered how on Wednesday mornings when I'm with the leaders. When we have long chapters, they stop showing up. Hint, hint. <laughs> and I'm just, I, I can tell, I, yeah. I read it all the time. Especially Leviticus. That's my favorite book. Because you guys are amazing. But remember, stay on mission. Follow Christ. See other men that are on the, on the cusp hurting. It's not public, but I can say it. I can't say it. Something happened this week that we lost somebody. Suicide affected our lives again this week. That's how serious it is. And you got to fellowship with other guys and say, hey, I'm a guy. It's okay to be a guy. You need a place that you can go, hey, I'm a guy. Gotta be that. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Let's pray. Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus for these amazing men. I ask that you touch each and every one of them. I ask that you watch over them, be with them. I pray now that they hear from heaven. Well done, my good and faithful. You're my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Let them know that you're pleased with them. If they're single, or they're married, doesn't matter. Let them know that you're pleased with them. Let everyone know here, God, that you're pleased with them. They can't do anything to make you love them more. And they can't do anything to make you love them less. Let them know, Lord, that they are the beloved and you're well pleased with them. We thank you this morning. Thank you for these heroes. Thank you for them braving the grain. Thank you for the, the grace that you empowered each and every one of them with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.